Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on uh, Wednesday the 14th of February. Today I am joined by Rutika Braska, who is a competition winner. Hi there, Rutika. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm doing all right. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, so, um, which story did you pick out from today's Watson's Daily? So, the story I picked out from today's Watson Daily is actually an FT News article on Temu grabbing up its rival Sheen's suppliers over factory standards, oh, yeah. which, which have been ditched because of their factory standards. Mm. So firstly, I'm going to talk about is is, is Temu being ethical or not? And mm. then moving on to how is this going to impact the already existing online retailers in the space? Yeah, okay. Temu is coming for the bag and they're trying to make sure everyone knows it. So mm. Temu is known for their low price products in a very attention grabbing app. Have you used Temu before? Uh, afraid not. I mean, I have to say, whenever I see Temu, I think, oh, no, um, I'm just going to get bombarded with stuff because I think I kind of think it's going to be like Shein. And I, I think I once went on Shein and was bombarded with all sorts of stuff. And I thought I never want to go on there ever again. But I'm sorry for everyone out there who is a Shein fan or Temu fan. Um, it's just obviously I am not the target market. So, um, but anyway, yeah, uh, uh, please tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, <laughs> Temu, they've no, their app is known for these offers which keep popping up, trying yeah. to incentivize you to place an order. And the order takes around like three to four weeks to be delivered. Yep. What I find interesting about Temu is their supplier acquisition plans. Mm -hmm. They aren't only going behind Sheen suppliers, but they're also going for Amazon suppliers too. Mm. This strategy to compete with Amazon, I'm assuming it's invo it involves pressuring Amazon to slash its prices. Because what is the advantage that Temu has? It's their very low pricings. Mm. So right now, Temu is recruiting suppliers with warehouses in Europe and US to handle deliveries. And this would directly challenge Amazon. And mm. article also states how Amazon is pressuring their suppliers to reduce prices, whereas Temu, along with their reduced prices, is providing generous subsidies to its suppliers by giving financial support and assistance to make deliveries from US-based warehouses. Mm. And this helps them with their low prices, for sure. And it gives them this advantage over competitors. Yeah. It's, it's kind of part of their efforts to compete directly with the big e-commerce players in the market. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact is that they only were released in 2022. So they're quite recent. It isn't like a very 10-year-long brand that is just coming up now. Mm -hmm. But this sounds a bit dodgy in regards to their manufacturing <laughs> standards. Mm -hmm. Picking up Sheen's reject suppliers doesn't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, Sheen does not have the best reputation. And then if you then say that, oh, well, Temu is, is picking up the ones that Sheen was rejecting, yeah. it doesn't fill you with massive confidence, does it really? Yeah. I mean, the other question is, uh, Sheen is rejecting these suppliers because of factory space, but that's a question I'm not going to ask today. Like, is that the only issue that Sheen has? Mm. <laughs> but anyways, so 
the one thing Temu doesn't have is that they don't sell named products in under their brand. And mm -hmm. that's one of the advantages Amazon would have in, I mean, one of them compared to Temu is that they do sell uh, named brands in their e-commerce space. Mm. So the question is, are they being ethical? I mean, they are committed to environmental sustainability by digitalizing the economy, cutting supply chain waste. Uh, but is this enough? Their third party code of conduct states that the company has a zero tolerance policy for vendors that mm. use forced labor to manufacture products. Mm. So they, it's tricky to put like a full stop on ethical standard questions when they're trying to compete in a very uh, demanding space. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, this is, I think the whole thing is pretty questionable, right? So, I mean, I think that it, my impression is, and again, I'm willing to be corrected by anyone, um, is that Shein is low quality purveyor of cheap stuff that takes ages to deliver. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Temu is a worse version, worse version, and less morally, um, uh, less moral um, version of Shein, which is saying something. Um, and that they are just trying to build um, market share uh, and size, mm -hmm. um, and, and they don't care how they do it. Now, that's fine if you are a private company. Well, it's not fine, really, but, I mean, you know, if you're a private company, no one can see all the, all the st dodgy stuff you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but once you then decide that you want to become a publicly listed company, that changes completely. Now, I think that Sheehan is finding that at the moment because it is, a, you know, it, it's, it's probably having to look at its supply chains, make sure that there's, there's no horrendous nightmares in there, although I'm very surprised they haven't found anything. But, um, and, you know, they, they want to go for a, for a, you know, a big fat valuation, um, you know, at, at IPO. Now, I think that they yeah. are going to get an amazing huge value you know the valuation is going to be i imagine it's going to be huge um the investment bankers and everyone involved in the deal is going to say how great Sheehan is because they'll get a lot of money from it and even if they don't get a lot of money from it because sometimes big deals don't get the money it's um they it's that they they it's just that they the they do the deals because it looks good and it means that other potential IPOs will come to them. So, you know, because if you can say I'm on the ticket for um, on Sheehan, then, then you know, people sit up and take notice. Now, having said that, maybe Sheehan will pay them a bit more than it would have done because of the whole kind of dodgy aspect of all the lawsuits they've had to face and yeah. uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so anyway, I think that um, they're, they're trying to, you know, Sheehan's trying to clean its act up Temu doesn't care because it's just building. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just think that it, they're going to come a cropper at some, at some point because people are going to, surely they're going to turn around and say, this is not a nice, this is not a nice way of doing. I mean, you don't, when you do business, you don't have to be nice and be everyone's friends, but equally, you, you know, there are some things that you've really got to make sure that you act properly on. And, you know, I mean, okay, it's alleged, but the fact that Sheehan basically allegedly copies everyone 
there is you know ralph loren and Zara mm-hmm. and all, loads and loads of them and they don't care it's just a massive accident waiting to happen so i mean i think that they'll they'll get a massive a really pumped up valuation because everyone wants them to do well they'll talk up their growth pro, yeah, growth prospects um but there's always going to be that difficulty um further down the line are they uh, is it is something going to blow up but in the meantime loads of people are going to make money you know i'm sure that stock is going to fly um so we'll see but uh, sorry anyway i've I've gone on on a bit of a rant there but what do you think about that yeah definitely with when it comes to sheen like from a consumer standpoint like Mm. student we love the fact that it's super cheap and we're getting what we're paying for because it's not the greatest quality and we're paying maybe like five pounds for six sets of you know track suits mm, yeah <laughs> just to say the least yeah. so um so yeah like i think that now the ipo that's coming up sometime this year and with the rumors of the evaluation being 60 60 billion i think that you know just the factory space coming out as an issue is not just the one i think it's kind of like a umbrella to all the other issues that have been you know piling on for years so it's something to like see, you know, on the day the IPO happens, it's like um, so many things will come into light and it'll be interesting to witness. Mm, absolutely. We shall see. Uh, I don't think it's not, there's it's never going to be a dull moment. I'm sure that a- anyone who is involved in the IPO or potentially involved in the IPO who, who, or who is desperate to be involved in the IPO will be, you know, really um, dumbing down any, any criticism of Sheehan um and trying to emphasize the positives but it just seems to me it's so blatant at allegedly um copying other people's designs that and without caring it's got to stop it has to stop i think you know actually uh, an example i suppose years ago alibaba was seen as doing the same thing you know the alibaba was known known for having knockoffs on on its on its you know, on its website, mm-hmm. um, the Chinese government then, you know, tried to do a bit of a crackdown um, on it. And um, I mean, that reduced it, but we shall see. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, I would have thought the Chinese government will think, oh, doesn't matter, <laughs> do whatever you want, take as much market share. Uh, we don't care. We're not going to, we're not going to stop you. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting anyway. Yeah. So, um, Let's move on. Uh, I am going to talk today about, God, I'm going to be very offensive today. Um, So, you know, uh, I'm going to talk about the story that's also from the FT. Uh, It's about big US law firm, uh, Latham & Watkins. Um, And this is interesting because this story is about how um, the the, uh, company is going to cut off automatic access to its international databases for its Hong Kong-based lawyers. now, this is the latest example of a non-Chinese company, a global company um, having to change their business practices in order to, you know, satisfy um, tighter restrictions in China um, and, and, and Hong Kong. Now, um, there have been loads of crackdowns um, recently. I mean, there were loads of raids. I think it was Bain & Co, for instance, last year and a few other places. Um, who are being sort of semi-accused of, of, of espionage and things, and it's it's now getting to to the to the extent 
um, that you're you're seeing. Um, uh, what is you know? So uh, people from uh, KPMG. So last year, Deloitte and KPMG staff uh, were told that they should be using burner phones when visiting Hong Kong. I mean, it all sounds like James Bond stuff, right? I mean, good. Yeah. You know, these, these people are only accountants, for God's sake. Uh, you know, and being told. I mean, to be honest, maybe maybe it will brighten brighten your life a bit. I mean, you're thinking, oh, you know, going going on a business trip. Um, and then suddenly, you know, you called in and the boss says, well, I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to use these burner phones. I mean, makes it suddenly makes a what may be a fairly mundane business trip into something quite exciting. Um, but, I, I mean, so. like, I mean, if, if I think about it, like, how would this impact the operational strategies of global companies in this region, then if this is the, you know, st the strategies that all these employees are taking? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is, it's just going to make things just a lot harder, um, a lot harder. You, and, and now, you know, obviously they're, they're cutting off that they're, they're basically making it the same as, as what they would for um, their operation in, say, Beijing, for instance. So they're really separating it all off. Um, and I think ultimately, um, and this is where the offensive bit comes in. So if, if you're a massive fan of Hong Kong, close your ears now. Um, I think that Hong Kong is being slowly tipping into irrelevance as a as a hub for doing business in the Asian region, um, because I think that you know there's so many restrictions now coming in, um, and uh, that actually the the positives of doing business there as a sort of gateway to mainland China and things is just seems to me to be disappearing by the day. And actually, what you know why do business there? if you go if you really want to do business with china go to china you know what is the point now of going to hong kong um and i think that you know and i, I think i've said this on previous for, uh, for podcasts that i think that um other uh, places in the region should in theory do quite well um you know from this because you'll get companies that want to stay in the region but they want to go somewhere else so um tokyo uh, so the Tokyo, Seoul and Singapore uh, are some that are mentioned um, in, in this article. Um, I would argue that Seoul is always going to have that cloud hanging over it in terms of the noisy neighbour in, in North Korea. So it's, de it's, da it's potentially dangerous. Um, Sing um, Tokyo, and I can say this as a half Japanese person and having worked at Japanese companies, British companies, British companies in Japan, Japanese companies in the UK, Japan is a nightmare to do business in, um, in terms of it takes ages. You have to get to know it. You can't just set up and, and then watch it, watch business come through the door. It just never happens like that. You have to be able to s stay there, commit there, be there for years. You know, it, so I would say Singapore is the one that's going to win the most out of all this. Um, but ultimately, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I would have thought, let's say, in the next decade, um, Hong Kong is going to become, I'd say, a lot less relevant um, in terms of global business than it has been, you know, and, and, and I think that's what China wants. I mean, it seems to me that ever since the handover, there's been the talk of this, you know, so that was 97, you know, there's been talk of this gradually getting closer with, with mainland China. But I think that, um, you know, you had the... the um, uh, democracy, you know, the democracy protests and things. Um, you, we saw the clamp down there. Then there was COVID. 
um, then um, you know then, re- then then they've had clampdowns on you know gaming on gambling on all sorts of stuff and um, and it just seems to me that it's it's becoming more and more like China so why bother you know why not just if you're going to do business in China go to Beijing um, and don't don't bother with Hong Kong so um, I mean I you know I know plenty of people who've worked in Hong Kong love Hong Kong love the you know the whole the whole thing there but I just from an outsider's point of view it just looks to me like more more of a nightmare than it's worth um, but what what do you think yeah definitely I mean uh, it's a very hard uh, point to have like you know a standpoint to have but I do agree with what you're saying mm. yeah I mean it's very t- very tricky um, you know I I hope that things go better there but it just seems that it's really accelerated that the, the tightening of everything um, has accelerated um, to the extent that, and, and now I think that the people running um, Hong Kong are very pro Beijing as well. And so surely it's going to, it's there, there's, yeah, there's going to be a lot less going on there, but, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, so there we go. Uh, sorry, that's a bit of a downer of a note, isn't it really uh, to finish on um, today, but, uh, but, um, but anyway, we'll, um, yes, we will. Um, thank you. Well, thank you very much, Ritika, for your time uh, today. Problem. And thank you very much for listeners for listening. Um, really do appreciate it. Um, we'd like to on uh, on this day of Valentine's Day, we'd like to send the mm-hmm. Watson's Daily love to everyone out there listening to this. And uh, hope you have a lovely day. And uh, back again tomorrow. So many thanks. Bye. Bye bye.